0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to Pain and the Pod. Today, I'm so excited because I'm here with Olivia Lind of the podcast Flat Rock. Flat Rock is a really, really cool podcast based in Nashville. It's a true crime story. And uh, my overview of it, it's about a little girl named Kathy who was uh, brutally murdered. And it's 50 years later, and the crime is unsolved. Of course, they have suspects, but it's technically unsolved. It's a cold case. And the story uh, turned out to be you know, way worse than what the public was told at the time. Of course, it was 50 years ago. So welcome to the podcast, Olivia. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm trying to remember who told me about you. Was it Trace Evidence? It was. It was yes. Steven. Steven. Okay. Steven Pacheco. Yes. Okay. And he um, was he, he was a contributor on the podcast or he helped or he's just a buddy?
1: He, well, he's a friend of mine, and I actually had him record my content warning
0: for the beginning of each episode. Oh, okay. That was nice. because podcasters helping each other? Sure. Yeah. So tell me about the podcast. If I'm a first-time listener and I've never heard of this case, never heard of this podcast, tell me how you would describe it.
1: Well, it's a seven-episode, I believe, kind of investigative series. It's a it's a serious podcast. I have another podcast that's not quite so serious, but um, we go through and go through this case of Kathy Jones. She was a twelve-year-old who went missing near Thanksgiving in 1969, and they found her a couple of days later, and it's never been solved, and. I actually discovered the case researching for the first episode of my other podcast, and it just stuck with me. And I decided I wanted to do a
0: more deep dive into it with a full series. So how long ago was that that you researched it for? go, Go ahead and say what your other podcast is. And then how long ago was that that you were researching it?
1: The other podcast is called Something's Not Right. And I started the research on it almost three years ago. And, wow! yeah, it was our first episode. And so I was able to put a lot of time into it more than I can put into cases for a, you know, somewhat weekly show. So I, I think that had a lot to do with why it stuck with me just because I got to know the case so well.
0: Yeah. And does your other is that what your other podcast is about is that you go into cases or things like that? Is that why you were researching it? It. It is. It was. uh, It's a
1: mostly true crime podcast. Sometimes we'll get into paranormal stuff, like around Halloween. But it's just you know, it's a new case every week, and it's conversational. I've got a co-host on that show, and so we, you know, usually I'm the one telling the story, and she'll ask me questions about it and
0: react and that sort of thing. Got it. So when you decided to go off on your own to do to do this one, Flat Rock. Well, first of all, I'm sure she didn't care. She was like, great, go for it. But second of all, are you are you doing the two simultaneously? Because this one, I imagine Flat Rock took quite a bit of work. It
1: did. And I actually had to put the other show on hold at one point when we got really into the production on it. But I did. I researched kind of in my free time over a period of maybe six months or so. So there was some overlap there.
0: I'm always so amazed with these podcasters, so you know you've been working on more or less this same case or it' stuck with you all these years. and then you're also now six months of research just on this particular podcast. I mean, you you, you must feel like you've lived it. I mean, you know, you're just you know every single in and out, every single player, every single person that's still alive, I feel like you've talked to. You feel like you're a part of the family, I guess.
1: I do feel pretty comfortable with it because I have been so immersed in it. I mean, that's why with the cases that I do for the other show, I lose a lot of the details over time. People won't want to ask me about a case I covered, you know, three months ago, and I've forgotten a lot about it. I mean, part of it is just because these things are so horrible that, I, you know, when I get done with an episode, I want to get it out of my head. But yes.
0: Yes. So, so how how long would you say so? It's this series is seven episodes. How long would you say it took you to put together each episode?
1: Oh gosh, I don't know. I I had help from a producer on right. that, and so she had some things she wanted to change on the episodes. She had some experience with writing, and she really helped make those scripts a lot better than they were. But we were on a pretty tight deadline. And I'd say most of the time we had to get each episode turned around in a week. And sometimes that meant a complete script overhaul and then recording it. Now, the interview clips that I had, like with law enforcement or um, Kathy's sister-in-law, those things I had already recorded ahead of time before I got together with the producer.
0: Well, God bless the producers of the world. I mean, I have um, people all the time will ask me, technical stuff about the podcast. And I'm like, really, you're asking the wrong person. I'm like, I could tell you how I record it from my house. But from there, it goes out into the ether. And I don't know what happens. Um, it sounds good when it hits the airwaves, but it's not because of anything I did. So I know it, it, it's it's great to have a producer. It's also nice to have somebody sort of go behind you to look at what you did, you know, like you said, like the writing, like you may have thought it was written exactly how you meant to say it, but that they, they come at it from a different angle. So that was nice. Right.
1: Well, and she works for our local NPR station here. And so she had a really good idea of how storytelling should go as far as for the ear.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So you're in Nashville, too. So to have a, it's a, a local Nashville NPR person's got to be pretty high level there, I would assume. Right. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, when the network said that they wanted to connect me with someone here to handle that sort of thing, it was like it's going to be pretty easy for you guys to find audio engineers here in Nashville.
0: Okay, that's cool. Okay, we're going to take um a little break and then we'll be right back with Olivia from Flat Rock.
2: This episode is brought to you by HP Plus. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is, with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. Okay, I'm
0: back with Olivia Lind from the podcast Flat Rock. Um, explain to my listeners why the podcast is called Flat Rock. So Flat Rock is
1: not really a name that people use that much anymore, but it's it's the name that was given kind of by old timers to the neighborhood where this crime happened and where this little girl lived. Specifically, the area is called Woodbine Now, and that's what I was going to call it initially. And then I had a friend who lives over that way who said, what about Flat Rock? And I just thought it just had a really good sound to it.
0: So the neighborhood used to be referred to as Flat Rock.
1: It did. And actually, Flat Rock kind of covers a a bigger area than Woodbine specifically, but they're kind of interchangeable.
0: So this case takes place in 1969. So it has been 50 years, right? Yeah. Because we're in 20. Yeah math is not my thing okay so it's a little girl so she's walking with her skates over her shoulder to go roller skating so she's walking along she has her one dollar that her mom has given her and she disappears she's not found it takes um a day a day and a half a couple days and then they find her murdered in a vacant field so let's talk about the actual case itself and the suspect so the main suspect to me from what I got from the podcast is that Kathy's mother's boyfriend and eventual husband was the main suspect. Did you come away with it feeling like there's other people, but this guy is likely the guy?
1: My opinion on it is that he's the guy. I am 99.9% certain on that. I, you know, I want to leave open The possibility that someone else could have done it. They actually arrested another man at one point in the 70s and were going to try him, who looked like a really, really good suspect for it. But later, the police didn't believe he did it. And I don't either. But I mean, that's always a possibility. But the the boyfriend is where I'd put my money. Daryl. Daryl, that's
0: correct. And they they did eventually get married. They did, a few years after her death. It's really mind-blowing. But you have to assume that the mom... And remind me of the mom's name. Nora. Nora. I was going to say Mona. Nora. So Nora... I mean, we can assume for all intents and purposes that she probably never believed any rumor that Daryl had done it. She was in love with him, and it seemed like, you know, he, he was abusive. There's some, you know, theories behind that. But, you know, how mind-boggling to think that she married this guy and was married to him up in, you know until she died and that's where the whole the brother comes in and his wife and then another person in the story is Joe. it Was his name Joe, the dude? Tim was the pseudonym. Tim, I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I'm like, I've got it almost right. Three right. letters. Tim, okay. The, I just, I wrote down the dude um, because that's what he was called, right? Right. That's his nickname, the dude. So he is Daryl Steinbeck's uh best buddy and they ran they ran some scams together and whatnot. And you had, you know, quite a bit of interview time with him and he described what he thought the murder would be like sort of exactly.
1: He did. And that creeped me out. I do want to say, and I'm not sure if this made it into the podcast or if it got cut out. I don't believe he participated in it. I just I don't know. I didn't get that sense. But I wonder if he was ever told by Daryl what had happened.
0: Right. And maybe Daryl had something on him to hold over him because they sort of participated in these petty crimes together. You know, you described um, how they would go into stores and steal things and then return them. That was what I was told. I don't have
1: any sort of. Proof from the police of that um I do have some arrest records or an arrest record from one time when they were arrested for shoplifting together in 1991 and so you know I can't say for certain that that's what was going on but that's what a couple of people told me
0: yeah so Daryl and Joe would do these things together. And then also, you had some people that told you from Daryl's past that they would never let small children around him because he seemed like creepy around small children.
1: Correct. There was actually someone who knew him in the later years of his life, a, a person who was actually around my age. And this person told me they wouldn't, you know, be comfortable having their kids around him.
0: So we've got, we've got Daryl, who's the main suspect, who was married to Nora, the mom of Kathy. Then we've got the dude, Tim, his friend. It was interesting to me that Tim was like talking so freely to you. And your thought was like, if he really knew his friend did it, you just felt like I'm talking to this like sweet old man. And surely he would not be talking to me about it if he thought his friend did it. But you know, every sweet old man could have been a, a disgusting criminal back in the day. I mean, you know.
1: Right. I mean, you know, he he could have turned his life around. I don't know what happened in the intervening years there. I had expressed some of my suspicions about Daryl to him. I I spoke to him about how I'd heard these rumors that Daryl had molested some children. And he told me, you know, he didn't know anything about that. And he wouldn't have had anything to do with him if he knew that. So it's a, it's a big question mark what he knew.
0: Well, you know, it's like you said, somebody somewhere, the secret lies in somebody's conscious. That's what you said in the last episode, you know, that is, is somebody knows. Now, Daryl Steinbeck has since died, and you painted a a great picture there at the end of your podcast where you went to the cemetery. You went to the cemetery, and there was Nora laid there next to her daughter, Kathy, and then above, the way you described it was Daryl Steinbeck's uh, grave was right above, sort of like looking down on the two of them.
1: Well, not exactly. Kathy was actually buried in the ground um, in the cemetery, and her her brother is right next to her, or not right next to her, but close by. Now, her mother was actually in one of those tombs that's in a building nearby.
0: Oh,
1: okay. And the, the thing that was interesting to me is her mother is on the far side of the building, not facing out where Kathy's grave is, almost like her back is turned. But but Daryl is up there up high with this bird's eye view of it. And I'm sure none of that was intentional. These people, from what I understand, had really limited resources. And there was probably a little bit of a matter of, you know, you're going to take whichever plot you can get. But the the image there was not lost on me.
0: That Daryl seems to be, like, looking down and maybe Nora has her back turned. Right. 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 And this is not, you know, to disparage Nora because she clearly was in an abusive relationship and loved her children and somehow, you know, couldn't see past this this man who had this hold on her that, you know, allegedly, possibly killed her child. And then, you know, the brother he eventually couldn't stand being around Daryl his whole life. And he felt that his mother was married to the guy that killed his sister. Right. Wow.
1: Yeah. And I don't, and I'm trying to be really careful not to pass judgment on Nora. I think at first I kind of had a bad feeling about her. And then as I learned more, I mean, she really did love her kids. And I think it's one of those situations where you've got a woman who is maybe kind of codependent and there's, maybe some level of abuse. And I don't think there was, I never heard anything about Daryl abusing her. Um, There were those allegations about Kathy's father being abusive. And I never really could get to the bottom of that. But I mean, as a pedophile, he was abusing children. Right. I was told he really loved her. And that may be true.
0: But Well, it sounds like at the very least there's some sort of – he had some sort of hold on her emotionally. So she may have suspected he did this but couldn't shake him, you know, for a better term. couldn't Couldn't break up with him, couldn't confront him, you know, any of that. I'm sure he just said he had nothing to do with it and she, you know, she believed him. And I don't know, to think that somebody could be walking around knowing – what he did and not come forth at this point. Like, what do you have to lose? Right. You know, it's been so long. All right. So next I want to talk a little bit about the DNA sample. So they have a small DNA sample and was it, it was from her sock. Is that correct?
1: It was, I believe that was what they told me. And maybe some from the playing cards
0: that were beside her. Right. And so later on, there was the match to the sock was found on a roof somewhere.
1: Correct, and it was that was like kind of right next to the empty lot. Now, how would that sock get there? I mean, really? Well. I mean, the person must have tossed it up there. I believe they found the knife up there, too. And I've, I've seen the back of the building. You can see where it's kind of low. It, it was different at the time. But the way one of the investigators described it to me was there was this, like, low-sloped roof in the back on the alley side of the building. So somebody could almost just
0: jump up there from the oh, alley. Oh, okay. I guess I was thinking, like, regular, you know, store height roof i was like how would, i mean if they threw it up there they had a good shot and because a sock wouldn't you know a knife would fly but a sock would not but they said now that the dna sample is it's so compromised right that it that they can only test it maybe one more time it's i don't
1: know as far as the amount that they have um i think it was maybe somewhat degraded. I mean, you can see in an old newspaper photo the police taking evidence away from the scene in a plastic bag, which is not something they would do now. They use paper bags because you don't want things to get moldy. What they had there and I didn't really understand the science of it too well, but What they had there in the sample was not something that was enough to conclusively make a match to someone, but they could rule people out.
0: Ah, okay. Has Daryl Steinbeck been ruled out or?
1: He was ruled out against that sample. I don't. I assume that they asked him and he just wouldn't consent to give a sample. But when he was murdered in 2011, they took a sample of his blood from the scene and tested it. And he didn't match. But the thing is, is this was they didn't tell me what the nature of the DNA was, but they said that doesn't rule him out as the perpetrator. It could have come from an officer on the scene just because they didn't handle evidence the same way back then I mean so I assume it wasn't blood or
0: semen whatever whatever the DNA was right and it's you're right I mean 50 years ago who knows it could have been anybody it could have been I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. Because now the way they handle things is so much differently that they could have a DNA, they could get uh, fingernail scrapings, or I mean, so many different things now that they, you know, they didn't do back then. And it's a shame too. Um, and you think about this DNA and all these cases that have been solved with the DNA that they saved, but so much of it has been destroyed, right? And I want to ask you really quickly about so Daryl Steinback. What year was it that what year was it that he was murdered? 2011. Okay, so and that not, was not long ago, and he was an, an old man at the time, and he was sitting in a car, and somebody, a masked man, came and pulled him out and shot him. And he had a woman and a child in the car with him. Correct. And allegedly he was, or supposedly whichever, he was selling drugs at the time. And there's an eyewitness who saw the whole Go down. So it sounds to me like it was like a drug hit, right? Like he did some bad dealings with somebody and he got himself killed, or somebody knew he was there and was trying to steal the drugs from him. Well,
1: this is sort of speculation and sort of based on some things that I've been told. The police, I think they believed that it may have been a setup. Uh-huh. And the person who killed him may have been someone who knew him and just knew he would have money on him. And I, I think that maybe there wasn't an intention there to kill him. I mean, it could have been he tried to fight back and then got shot. In fact, he was shot in the leg, which if that was on purpose, then that would suggest that this person wasn't trying to kill him. But because mm-hmm. he was older and he I think he was on
0: blood thinners, he ended up
1: I believe, bleeding to death because of it.
0: Oh, my God. And never anything was said about who was this woman and child in the car with him. They
1: did not identify her. I think I accidentally stumbled on her and actually spoke with her about this before I ever put two and two together about how she could be the woman in the car. Um, obviously, I can't say who she was, but um, you know, she was actually wow. pretty reluctant to talk to me once we got into the stuff about his death. So that was interesting.
0: Oh, okay. Well, now I feel like I need to go back and re-listen and see if I can figure that out. like, <laughs> oh my, my goodness. Um, okay, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about
2: podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Okay, I'm back with Olivia
0: Lynn from the podcast Flat Rock, which is a true crime podcast that I just recently listened to under the advisement of Stephen of Trace Evidence. And it was it's it's a great story. Okay, so we talked about your other podcast called Something's Not Right. I was going to ask you about that. But tell me about what you like to listen to podcast wise when you're not working on your next case.
1: I listen mostly to True Crime. You'd think I'd get sick of it, but I listen to a lot of that. I, I get behind on stuff because it's just I'm so busy with this other show. But Trace Evidence, of course, is probably one of my top favorites. And then there's also Dark Poutine, which is a little bit different. That's That's got two hosts, and that is conversational true crime. I know people tend to have a preference between like really serious... Single host, true crime, and conversational. But I can kind of go back and forth. Between I'm the, the same.
0: Three. Yeah, I could listen to either one as long as the story's good.
1: Yeah, and so those two shows are very different from each other, but I think they're both great. Uh, Dark Poutine. They're obviously from the name. They're in Canada, and they cover Canadian crimes. And so they're and they use a little bit of humor in that, which makes some people uncomfortable. But you know, they're never disrespectful to victims or anything like
0: that dark Poutine. people mentioned that one a lot and i've never listened to it but i feel like now that enough people have said it i need to check it out
1: it's it's a lot of fun um another one i really liked and it's actually sort of incomplete is called lords
0: of death okay i listened to that one under the advisement of uh, another podcaster that i talked to okay Remind me remind me of the story because I totally listened to it, but like you, I listen to so many. So remind me of the story of Lords of Death. So the host
1: Thrasher Banks, and it's been a while since I've listened to it, but he was investigating a crime that happened. He starts out talking about a double murder that happened in Ohio and I wanna say it may have been the late eighties.
0: Yes. And then it had something to do with his family. A guy that would that was like friends with his mom or something. There is a reveal
1: in there about that when he gets to his third episode. There's there's a connection there. Um, I don't know how how much I should go into it, but uh, <laughs> it's it's very interesting. And I can't remember how many episodes he's done. I don't know what his plans are for it. I but I believe he intends to make some more episodes of it, but it's really well done. There's great use of music in it. And I was just really impressed with it.
0: Same. And what I remember specifically about it was the title of it put me off because I was like, it sounds like Satanism or something scary. But this was actually like Lords of Death was like the name of their gang from prison or something. And it had nothing to do really too much with what happened in the story it's just a true crime story that the guy has a personal connection with right it, it yeah that that's that's a good one i had completely forgotten about it because it came out and then it sort of ended but it was open-ended right
1: right I think he's just not quite done with it I mean I think it's it's one of those things where you know you're still tracking down information and and people who are willing to talk that sort
0: of thing Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. Lords of I'm gonna revisit that. Um, and do you have any other ones? Do you do you have any? Uh, do you ever listen to anything not true crime? Because I, I do tend to find that people that do a lot of true crime listen mostly to true crime. Whereas you would think a lot of people would. Some, well, sometimes people need a little palate cleanser. Um, so, do you have any like that? Or if it's all true crime, I'll take them all. I love all of them.
1: I've got actually two that aren't true crime that I like to listen to. Well, and then another one that is true crime, but it's not usually murder-focused, is Swindled. with, with mm-hmm. Yes, Swindled. White-collar crime, so that's a little less dark. Now, there's one I listen to called Death in the Afternoon, which... It's kind of dark, but it's it's usually pretty humorous. It's hosted by this woman, Caitlin Doty. She's got a YouTube channel called Ask a Mortician, and she's written some books. Oh, uh, and she talks about, especially on Ask a Mortician, it you know answers all those kind of weird, morbid questions that people often want to hear the answers to, but. The podcast just talks about death related topics and she's part of something called a I think it's a death positive movement. And she is actually a, a mortician. So that's an interesting thing to learn about. Not exactly the lightest subject matter. <laughs> yeah. If I need something to cheer me up though, maybe my favorite is getting curious with Jonathan Van Ness. Um okay. Never heard of that. He's the grooming guy from Queer Eye. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just like the most positive, happy person that I think you know I've ever had a chance to listen to. And and so what happens is he has these guests on who are experts in one thing or another. I mean, it could be anything. And they talk about what they do. He's constantly interrupting them and asking questions because he is just so excited to learn more. And it's it's just a fun thing. And I think it's a really good pick me up, especially to yeah. get away from.
0: Yeah, it sounds very positive. I um I have not heard of that one. Death in the afternoon sounds interesting. There's a another podcast called uh, Funeral Home Stories,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, this is a guy who worked at his parents funeral home all through his formative years like 11 to 18 or even in college and it's all these stories about these calls he would go on and pick up these bodies and the stories and it's so it, he is funny because he's interspersing in like his fights with his girlfriends or you know these you know getting drunk in college and then having it the next day to get up and uh you know, go look at these dead bodies and stuff. And so some of it is funny, but oh my gosh, the details of the gory, you know, coming on these crime scenes and things is, it's a lot. And I, you have to kind of be prepared. You have to be prepared for it going in. Um, It sounds like meet a mortician death in the afternoon would be similar. Right?
1: Yeah. I mean, those are sort of things that most of us don't have close experience with. And so you know, sometimes it's, it really puts people off, but I, you know, I'm always just really curious about that sort of thing and I want to have it demystified.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to check out getting curious too. Cause that sounds like sometimes you do just need kind of a little positive. Like sometimes I just listen to like silly, you know, reality show podcasts or things that cover a TV show that I watched. And that's a little bit of a palate cleanser from all the true crime. But I mean, you're probably like me. I could, I put on, you know, my favorite murder or, trace evidence or anything like that and go right to sleep to it. It it lulls me to sleep with the sweet talk of true crime. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Well, listen, tell people where they can find out more about Flat Rock and also follow you and social media and all those fun things. You
1: can find the website at flatrockpod.com and there are links to everything there, but you can also look me up on uh, let's see Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, it's just Flat Rock Pod. And then I've also got a an Instagram account that's just me and that's Not Right Olivia.
0: <laughs> and all that stuff does that link up to your other podcast as well? Something's not right. It
1: does. It does and that's at uh, let's see notrightpodcast.net.
0: Okay. So many um monikers to keep up with, right? Right. Flat Rock Pod, Not Right Olivia and not right pod.net. Not right. Let's see.
1: Not not (laughs) right podcast.net. Okay.
0: Yeah. I think he could probably just like me, just Google it up and figure it all out. Sure. Well, it has been great talking to you and learning more about flat rock. Like I said, I was glad that he recommended it to me because I had, because it has popped up on my, like something to listen to on Apple podcasts. And you know, it says flat rock. It's got the roller skate. It's a great graphic. And so I'm really glad I got a uh, chance to listen to it and to chat with you. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you so much, Olivia.